0: You think they're foes, they're in business together Danny Bush knows the Carlisle Group since years before Been raking in billions and
1: itching for more It's, it's blood, blood for oil. oil, we know there's a link
2: co-founder of Code Pink, welcome to our Code Pink radio show presented by WBAI in New York City and WPFW in Washington, D.C., both part of the awesome Pacifica network of stations born out of the peace movement in the 40s and supported by you, the listeners. It is so necessary to the possibility for peace to have a place on the airwaves where we can expose the imperialism and violence of those in power. This week Code Pinkers were busy across the country, but I just wanna raise up Nancy Mancias and many of the Code Pinkers joined Winona, LaDuke and more than 2000 water protectors to stage nonviolent actions to halt the construction of Enbridge's Line 3 Toxic Tar Sands Pipeline in Minnesota. They joined with many Indigenous leaders across the country who came together to call on Biden to stop the construction of the pipeline and protect water and land while honoring the Anishabe Treaties. It was Minnesota's largest ever anti-pipeline mobilization. Can you believe it? Over a thousand people marched with indigenous leaders to the headlands of the Mississippi River for a treaty ceremony at the site where the pipeline is proposed to cross. It's proposed to cross on the headwaters of the Mississippi River. I mean, do you know how many times these pipelines leak? Anyway, further south, um, over 500 Indigenous people, allies, and sub- celebrities shut down an active Line 3 pump station in a massive direct action in solidarity with the general Collective. Um, it's a group of Indigenous women, Two Spirit-led frontline defense group um, that Terhaska um, is at the leadership of. So um, on Monday at daybreak, hundreds of land defenders reached the two inlets Line 3 pump station. Some climbed ladders or locked themselves to equipment while others blockaded the entrance and held the space. Jane Fonda, Winona LaDuke, Tara Houska, Catherine Keener, Rosanna Arquette, Taylor Schilling, and Big Wind um, all gave remarks from inside an active pump station. Um, where the water protectors were um, occupying the station. Uh, Tara Houska said, our mother is calling out. It's time for us to listen, to do the work, to remember how. It's also time for us to stand with our words. The situation is urgent. It requires urgent response. Find your bravery. Find your community. Find your truth stand with us, and stop line three. And I feel like her words speak to us not just about protecting the water, that we can have clean water to drink, but it's so important to, as we, you know, talk about war and peace, that we all need to be standing up to say no to war, and no to the money that's flowing to war. And so, um, you know, it, it's so crazy that uh, these tar sands that they want to push through Minnesota, that the catastrophe, the, the carbon intensiveness of these tar sands is equivalent to building 50 coal plants. Now, you know, China's part of what we're talking about today, and China made a pledge just a month ago to close down their coal plants. And we are escalating um, our carbon footprint instead of de-escalating our carbon footprint, just as we are escalating the funds that we wanna put into war instead of divesting from war. Uh, So before we get to our our first um, guest, I I wanna also talk about um, what Code Pink activists have been calling on, which is National Geographic. Um, has Israeli actress and Wonder Woman, Gal Gadot, hosting their program, Impact, where episode five highlights the displacement of Indigenous people. It's an insult to us at Code Pink that Gal Gadot should be hosting such a series that is supposed to empower women when she praises the army that harms and murders Palestinian women every day. Gal Gadot served in the Israeli military as a combat trainer during the, Israel's brutal 2006 war in Lebanon, when indiscriminate Israeli airstrikes killed about 900 civilians. Clearly, Gal shouldn't be speaking on an indigenous rights, as she directly took part in displacing Palestinians in Palestine. So you can join us to tell National Geographic to stop working with her, by going to codepink.orgslash natgeo You know, we've also been calling on Congress to reject President Biden's record high 2022 military budget of 753 billion. That's a 13 billion increase over the Trump administration's previously bloated military budget. You know, with just a 10% reduction in Pentagon spending, that annual savings could eradicate hunger and homelessness every year in the United States. To spend nearly a trillion dollars to prepare for war, pulls back the curtain on Biden's administration's professed interest in lifting people out of poverty, because that's 65% of your tax dollars now, after COVID, we have millions of Americans who are steeped in debt, living paycheck to paycheck, facing eviction, struggling to pay medical bills. Um, while they want to throw that money, that hard earned money, at an increasingly privatized for profit war industry. You know, at the same time, Biden is set to withdraw troops from Afghanistan which should lower the Pentagon budget. He is um, telling Congress that China is the just justification for the massive increase in military spending. But it is Biden and his cabinet member, uh, Secretary of Defense Austin, who are calling China a threat. But the only threat is the US to China. China has one third the military budget China has like one one hundredth the nuclear uh, missiles. And the U.S. has over 800 overseas military bases, hundreds of which surround the borders of China, while China, China currently has one located in Djibouti. So as we discuss with our guest today, the fear and lies strategy in its full force, the propaganda is so thick you can't see around it. Um, I'm very excited that our guest this week is the brilliant and radical activist, Marcy Winograd, who ran for Congress in my district here in Southern California, and who is now the coordinator of Code Pink Congress, a campaign to mobilize co-sponsors in Congress for peace and demilitarization legislation. She has read the U.S. Innovation and Competition Act of 2021 that is so aggressive towards China and she's here to help us understand it. So Marcy, thank you so much for joining us today and for all you do to engage us in ending wars and getting Congress to have the courage to do the same. So you just said you read a new bill this weekend that's 1,445 pages long. What inspired you to do this and what can you teach us?
3: Well, thank you. Thank you, uh, Jody and Code Pink for hosting me on Code Pink Radio. I was inspired to read this bill because I'm curious. I'm curious to see what Congress is up to. And I heard that uh, this bill called the U.S. Innovation and Competition Act of 2021, was going to be driving much of our foreign and domestic policy in the next five years. So I thought it was incumbent on me, as the coordinator of Code Paint Congress, to really read this bill. I mean, how many people are going to read a 1,445 page bill? I guess somebody like me doesn't have that much to do on the weekend, but uh, I'm glad I did read it. It's of concern. So I thought I would uh, briefly summarize the bill and then go into detail about some aspects, some of the disturbing aspects of this bill. The bill, the US Innovation and Competition Act of 2021 is an anti-China bill that in essence sacrifices climate to empire. It says that our number one national security threat, not just our national security threat, but the global security threat is the rise of China and that we must do everything possible to thwart this. That means establish a director of technology to send billions, billions of dollars into cities, to create technology hubs, to schools, to create STEM programs, science, engineering, technology, and math, and to embolden, empower, someone within every federal agency to look at this situation and say, how can we stop the Chinese from supplanting us as the number one global power? And there's a whole section on militarism that is very, very disturbing. And I, I would appreciate an opportunity to talk about that as well.
2: Well, let's just stop for a minute. Sure. Because um, I don't want you to run past this idea that is is being penetrated into our brains that is already false so china as a global power that's how western culture looks at the situation but you know let's remind the listeners that western culture is on the you know the philosophy of plato and socrates who had slaves right and then even later in like the 1600s western you know uh European Western countries got on ships and colonized the world. But let's look at China. China at the same time sits on the philosophy of Lao Tzu. And um, you know, it's about how do we cooperate together. And at the time when Europe went out in boats to colonize, it burned its boats and created avenues for for trading. The trading is how we learn, how we become internationalists, how we learn about each other, how we share with each other, and they never traded slaves. So, you know, watching the United States aggress on China is, um, is kind of scary because they make, again, this false boogeyman. So I just want to interrupt your words of, you know, stop China from becoming a world superpower. China doesn't want to become a world superpower. Actually, China wants to save the world. It wants to commit itself to, you know, the planet and is doing so and is making statements. It wants to stop the development of nuclear weapons and is committed to no first use. It took all of its people out of poverty. So I just want to, like, even in the describing of the situation, it holds the U.S. narrative, which is the U.S. aggressive narrative on China. Sorry.
3: Yes, I'm glad you brought that up. Throughout the bill, threaded throughout this bill, the U.S., the United States Innovation and Competition Act of 2021 are references to the United States upholding the international rule of law, the world order. And every time I read that, I I tell you, I just... it it gives me the creeps. I think about us killing a million plus people in Iraq, displacing 5 million in the Middle East, supplying arms, the latest arms shipment of $750 million to Israel to target the Palestinians. I think of how we have funded these death squads in Central America, how we are increasing our nuclear arsenal. And I say to myself, are you kidding me? You're describing the United States as the upholder of, of the world order of the rule of law? Uh, as we conduct drone strikes, extrajudicial killings, assassinations overseas. So given that context-
2: so Let us apt- even come home and talk about like how many people are in solitary confinement in the United States every night, how many people who are in jail work as slaves picking cotton in the South, and you know that we have more people in prison in the United States than any country in the world.
3: Not statistics to be proud of, certainly. Uh, in terms of this bill, when you look at what it uh, includes, it includes at minimum a $600 million expansion of the Pentagon into the South China Sea area, which is an area that uh, involves a lot of countries. Something like, you know, when you're talking about the Indo Pacific, they call it the Indo Pacific Command. I think it's about 37 countries, uh, countries such as China. Uh, North Korea, Australia New Zealand, the Marshall Islands, Malaysia and on and on. Uh, And it says that what we need to do to thwart China's ascendancy in their own backyard is to send more weapons to these countries, more missiles. We need to conduct more military exercises, which is exercise. This is a euphemism for mock nuclear strikes. Can you imagine if the Chinese had ships off the coast of California, where I am, where you are, and they were conducting mock nuclear strikes on San Francisco or Los Angeles. No one would tolerate that. Well, that's what we are doing in the South China Sea. And it says that we need to ensure that we have combat credible forces that are forward deployed in the waters in these countries surrounding China. This legislates militarism uh, we already have the National Defense Authorization. This goes one step beyond, it's a five-year plan. So the, the whole section on militarism is of grave concern to Code Pink, to anyone who, who wants to see envision world peace, particularly in the face of a climate crisis, which brings me to my next point, which is that a few months ago, Climate Envoy John Kerry sat down with the Chinese leaders and negotiated a climate agreement, which said two things. The United States and China would work together to ensure or rather strengthen the implementation of the Paris Accord, Paris Climate Accord. And secondly, that we would work together on long-term strategies for carbon neutrality. I read this bill, 1,445 pages of the US Innovation and Competition Act, 2021. I didn't read one word about this agreement that was only negotiated back in April between John Kerry and the Chinese leaders. In fact, there's just, I I would say maybe there are one or two, three possible sentences that mention diplomacy or or respect for bilateral agreements. But by and large, I think this bill is a big kick to the curb for John Kerry. Uh, Here we are facing an existential climate crisis, rising sea levels, famine, extreme weather. We're looking at massive displacement of climate refugees. And the bill is talking about how we have to compete with China at every level. We have to militarize. We have to build up our uh, artificial intelligence capabilities. That's a whole other subject.
2: (laughs) Does the bill mention that we have lost every war that we have fought in Asia against much smaller uh, countries? and that we just lost two wars in Afghanistan and Iraq and spent trillions of dollars destroying the planet, people's lives and communities and whole segments of the world. Where does it mention that?
3: It never mentions that, That was conveniently left out. Uh, What it mentions is that the US must ensure it supplants China as the preeminent power in the South China Sea and in, in fact, the world. I think that You know what's
2: interesting about this, Marcy, is Mm -hmm. that in the last 20 years, um, while the U.S. has spent all these trillions of dollars on war, destroying and destroying and destroying, um, in that same 20 years, um, the standard of living has gone up 8% every year for a Chinese citizen. Um, While the money that should have gone to U.S. citizens went to war. And also... The Chinese, a country of a billion and a half people, spend one third the amount of money on their um, uh, military budget as the United States. And you know what they do with the money that the United States um, puts into weapons, they give free education and spend a lot of money on R&D that hasn't happened in the United States in a really long time, which I think is what the United States is waking up to. But instead of solving the problem and saying, let's take the money from war and invest in our people, this doesn't sound like they've learned that lesson.
3: No, what they have done is they have folded two bills into one bill. The, The bill that Ro Khanna, our Congress member in Northern California, had authored the Endless Frontiers Act and this other bill, of the, the hawkish Senator Robert Menendez of New Jersey authored the Strate- Strategic Competition Act. They folded it into this one bill, the U.S. Innovation and Competition Act 2021, uh, and they they have infused this bill with anti-China rhetoric. It's really like a, a manifesto of hate, as I read it, against uh, 1.4 a, a country that that includes 1.4 billion people, as you mentioned, that is the world's leading exporter and that owns a trillion dollars, over a trillion dollars of US debt. Can you imagine if the Chinese sat down and read this manifesto of hate and said, you know what, we're gonna call in our debt, the principle on our debt. The dollar, the US dollar would plummet and slow our economy to a crawl. Apparently that is not a consideration or it's not a concern. What is of utmost concern is that the US maintain global hegemony on every level. And so according to this bill, we're going to have people in every department of the federal government looking at how can we compete with China? What can we do to stop China's rise? It's as though they forgot to drink their coffee in 2013 when the Chinese initiated the Belt and Road Initiative and have suddenly said, oh my gosh, China is going to be connected with 70 countries from Asia to Africa to Europe with ports and roads and airports and railroad tunnels. And what are we doing? We're (laughs) investing in
2: war. We're bombing them. We're droning their citizens. Yes. Yes. (laughs) um, We're doing the exact opposite, but isn't there something in the bill that says if a country um, takes a loan from China, the U.S. won't give them aid?
3: Yes, I mean, I couldn't quote that offhand, but there, there, is, there are clauses about uh, we don't want any loans going to China for this Belt and Road Initiative, and that we, we want to build up our partnerships with financially and militarily with those nations that are, and, and islands in, that are in the surrounding neighborhood of China.
2: Well, how dangerous is that? Uh, kind of, we, we think about the bully in the in the schoolyard. You're an amazing teacher. Um, this really feels like the bully in the, in the schoolyard where it's like divide and conquer. When we know that is a fail, we know that is what is part of the war economy. And if we are gonna get to peace, we know the only way is global cooperation. So here we are about to spend all this money on a fail. Uh, It's not like a a fifth grader, a a kindergartner could tell you this is a fail. It ends in failure. And this is, um, you know, this is actually, you you said global hegemony. Um, It was Rumsfeld back in the 90s who wrote a paper um, with the plan for the US to have global hegemony. And when that was printed or released or like somebody leaked it, all the media, Everyone laughed and was embarrassed and ashamed. And now it's the Biden blueprint. What has happened in those 30 years?
3: It's as though Congress, the leadership in Congress, I'm talking about Senator Schumer, uh, Senator Menendez, it's as though they, and I believe elements and people within the Biden administration are on steroids in their concern about China as a competitor. And I hope people take a long, hard look at this bill. I'm, I'm concerned, you know, they've thrown in a lot of language to try to pull in progressives. Uh, they they have said uh, they're going to pump all this money into STEM program, science, technology, education, math in historically black colleges. That yes, order. But
2: you know, at the same time, they're going to those historical black colleges and poaching on the black women in the STEM program to work for the defense industry. I'm not it's, surprised. It's really horrible. It's a whole program.
3: It is, and okay. there needs to be a lot of education around this bill. I just hope we have time. You know, I hope they don't uh, try to jam it through and and Biden signs it before anyone even knows that it happened. Uh, some of the language, I just want to read some of the. La- here's a here's a sentence from the bill: The United States leads the free and open international order. <laughs> Right, uh, this bill, it, it looks like it was written by some holdovers from Dick Cheney's office, you know, the neocons. Uh, it's Trump on steroids, really. You know, really? the Trump, he like. scapegoated the Chinese. He, he ensured that we had uh, more sanctions on the Chinese, but this bill goes one step beyond because it really legislates for the next five years, hatred toward the, the nation of China.
2: We are talking to Marcy Winograd, the coordinator of Code Pink Congress. You can join her every Tuesday evening as she interviews a member of Congress or an expert in the field a bill is being debated on with time to ask questions of the guests, followed by calling Congress together on the issue of the week. You learn a lot, get inspired and engaged. The tenants of Code Pink. Educate, inspire and activate. Go to codepink.org and sign up we will be back for more with marcy after the station break you are listening to code pink radio coming to you through pacifica radios wpfw in washington dc and wbai in new york city i
0: hold my head up high even though they try to break us they can shake us take us to the edge so we can on their terms they can't make us like ghosts we disappear return like a leap year we become the atmosphere of all that they was feared i'm the lion and the deer so i hold my head up high even though i try to break me i can't shake me i'm the open sky I leap repeal all that forbade me i'm your king i'm your lady not scared of what awaits me your shady arrogance needs a makeover to face me i entered all your space Disappear. transform the atmosphere of all that I was feared. I'm the smallest molecule in the universal gear. I'm wide awake as I fly away. We're the wide awake's. while you're tied away. But for all the lies that you hid away in the day-to-day, day, we're a passageway to another world. It's just yesterday in an alleyway, trying to lead astray. But we're underway to the Milky Way. What? Maybe you're cool inside.
1: single pain you've ever faced will wash away if you let it fall like rain. Let it
0: fall
2: Fall Like Rain by my dear comrade in cultivating a peace economy, Alexa Garcia with her friends, Brave Water and David Williamson. Alexa has delighted those of us in the streets with her music and poetry as half of climbing poetry. She took 2020 off to paint and just returned to the recording studio for this. You heard it first here on Code Pink Radio, presented by WBAI in New York City and WPFW in Washington, D.C. Welcome back, and now let's finish our conversation with Marcy Winograd of Code Pink Congress. She has been unpacking the U.S. Innovation and Competition Act of 2021, which, as we heard, is an aggressive attack on China and more money for weapons and more instead of the cooperation we need on issues like climate chaos. So, Marcy, I, you know, I've been kind of watching this for a year when I started to hear the lies um, about China and and the propaganda. And I was like, why do I this feels like a rock all over again? And you're talking about a bill of a lot of pages that nobody reads and they're going to vote on. And it's the same War Powers Act that nobody read and that we're still suffering under, you know, what, 18, 19 years later, and why, why do these bills get rammed through? Why, why do members of Congress surrender to what they know is wrong? I mean, first of all, you know, a, a, a thinking adult would never make a decision based on fear or hatred or lies. That's like doomed to, to failure. You know, as an adult, you look and go, oh, that's not going to get me anywhere. That isn't me. Those aren't that's not information I can make a decision around. And I think there's even a lot of lies inside that bill, you know, about. Oh, yes. I read one lie. It's it, it accused the, the,
3: the Chinese for violating the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty by doubling their nuclear arsenal. And then went on to say that the United States lives up to its treaty obligations under the NPT, which is an outright lie. Here we have with Biden's blessing, the Pentagon, the Department of Energy going forward with a plan for nuclear rearmament that includes 600 new intercontinental ballistic missiles to replace 400 underground silos in states such as North Dakota, Colorado, Montana, Wyoming. and. I forget exactly how they they rationalize that. They say, Oh, we're just replacing it. We're not, we're not creating, we're not making producing new nuclear weapons, which is an outright lie. Uh, I also want to touch on the most McCarthy-esque aspects of this bill, in addition to funding increasing militarism in the South China Sea and writing basically a recipe for war. Uh, the bill domestically says that. Grants should be withheld from colleges that partner with what they term Confucius Institutes, uh, government funded education that would teach Chinese language and culture. It says the comptroller should issue a report on the sister cities program, which is people to people diplomacy, right? Most of our cities have sister cities throughout the world. It's a great program. Uh, And there are a number of sister cities, actually in New York itself, where Schumer is from, the the state he represents
2: that are already sister cities, but uh, with China. sister cities with China, yes. Um, Yes, people to people diplomacy. Um, I want to just go back to the university thing you mentioned. So I was just looking into the fact that um, there are some university departments, um, uh, political science departments that were failing and needed money. And the State Department and the, um, and the military came in, fully funded them and took them over to militarize political science. Wow. So just FYI, why would they be suspicious that that could happen if they hadn't already done it themselves? It seems like they're looking out and looking at the world through the lens of who they are instead of the lens of peace and cooperation that basically most of the rest of the world desires.
3: Yes, the, uh, there's a, an Association of American Colleges I read initially supported this bill because of all the money, the billions it would plow into science, technology, engineering, and math, but now are stepping back and saying, we're not sure about this bill, we don't like this bill because it's going to inhibit our partnerships with countries like China uh, to, to develop programs climate programs, right, that are going to address a crisis that faces us, an existential crisis with the the climate. Uh, so, So we see already some of the support eroding. I read that there's a Republican caucus, the largest Republican caucus in Congress, that doesn't like all the money, the federal money that's being plowed into private programs. They have no problem with the militarism, but they don't like this idea of plowing 100 billion or 50 billion into cities to develop technology hubs, they're probably concerned also that these cities might go blue, (laughs) right? Uh, But that's their concern. And I uh, I think that we should, you know, in all honesty, we have to reach out and build a broad coalition to oppose this China hate bill, this bill for empire. Because what I see Chuck Schumer doing is he wants, to plow money into cities for technology and innovation. And he probably thinks, I'm being generous here, that the only way he can do that is by bringing Republicans on board with more money for the Pentagon, which is what, what they're doing.
2: Well, but you've also mentioned that it goes into private um, hands, um, which also, um, you know, how does that keep from the growing inequality that we're witnessing? How does that keep, make sure that those that it's got equity built into it. You know, uh, where, where are those um, the foundational needs that we have right now of creating more equity, um, creating more responsibility to, uh, you can't have a democracy if you don't have equality and you can't have a democracy if it's all built, everything's built on lies and you don't even have journalists who are unpacking this bill as well as you are. I mean, the fact that we're, turning to you to unpack this bill for us is you know and it's like how can you have democracy with an uninformed electorate so I just want to do a little plug for Pacifica and and where we're housed here at WBAI and WPFW that you know to have Places where we can talk about these things, where they aren't being co-opted, where they aren't being lied about, where the propaganda, uh, I mean, the propaganda right now on this aggression towards China is really insane. You can watch a headline uh, full of lies come out and be printed everywhere that has no relevance in the truth. And so, you know, Marcy, I'm so grateful that you took the time to read this bill and to share it with us. Um, What what can we tell the audience to be doing right now? First of all, I think everybody should show up to Marcy's Tuesday nights. They're amazing. Um, She brings on a, a special guest every Tuesday night. It's uh, five o'clock on the West Coast, eight o'clock on the East Coast. You can figure out the other times in between. And we get an hour of this kind of teaching, of really in-depth understanding of the issues that are important to us in the day, and then who we need to talk to about affecting them. And then the last half hour of the call is literally all together on Zoom, making phone calls to our member of Congress and our senators with you know, the phone number and what to say right in front of us and shared. And then we shared the stories of what we got and who we moved and what the, you know, fun stories about doing it together. So it's, a, it's like being in the room and calling Congress together. Um, so you can find out how to join if you go to codepink.org and it'll be on the homepage slider. Marcy, what else can we do?
3: Yes, well, and also you can go to codepink.org backslash codepinkcongress and sign up there to join us every Tuesday night. Thank you for the plug, Jody. Uh, When we host Code Pink Congress, I host it with my co-host, Medea Benjamin, co-founder of Code Pink and Hania Jodat barnes of Muslim Delegates Alliance. We are going to be talking in the future uh, about more about this bill and China, as well as reaching across the aisle to push back on endless military, seemingly endless militarism and how we can uh, generate interest within the union movement, the labor movement to transition out of the weapons industry. Back to the bill for a minute uh, and what we can do to try to stop or at least amend the most egregious portions of the U.S. Innovation and Competition Act of 2021. Uh, I would suggest, first of all, please do share the article that I co-authored with Medea Benjamin, it's on common dreams and it's called Schumer's Anti-China Bill sacrifices climate for empire. And the reason why I said climate for empire is because China and the United States are largely responsible for about half of the carbon emissions in the world. And we we do need to work together. And that was the whole point of the negotiated agreement that Kerry worked out with the Chinese around Biden's world climate summit. We can also reach out, of course, to our members of Congress, whether they be Republican, Democrat, independent, it doesn't matter because this bill is being trumpeted as a bipartisan bill. Uh, And I say, hey, Senator Schumer, before you uncork the champagne bottle to celebrate bipartisan militarism, please consider some of these amendments. So if we cannot defeat the bill, I would say extract the entire section on international security matters that lays the foundation for a five year long, minimally buildup in the South China Sea, a recipe for war, I would say cut out all of the red baiting McCarthy-esque sections that threaten to withhold funds, investigate universities, sister city programs, that sort of thing. And I think we also need to take a hard look at the section on artificial intelligence. This bill, in addition to its emphasis on militarism, it directs the uh, the head of the Department of Homeland Security to act when there is a national emergency or disaster that's broadly defined to include threats to national security, foreign affairs, but also an undermining of public confidence. What is that? That's a, that's a national security threat when we lose public confidence in the United States. And it directs the uh, Department of Homeland Security to marshal all of these resources to mitigate this threat. It's vague language, but it it's frightening language because it empowers this department that we know has not been a champion for peace and diplomacy, the Department of Homeland Security. So I would say, call your member, of, have a meeting, take a look at this article, take a look at the bill. There's a link to the bill in our article, Schumer, Schumer's anti-China bill, sacrifices climate for empire. And urge your member of Congress to oppose this bill, And at the very least to demand amendments and I would also say write the White House, you know you can get their email online and ask President Biden, not to sign this bill, of course that's that's probably a stretch, (laughs) but you know it's important that he hear from us, I counted the number of times the words Secretary of State are in this bill. Because as I was reading, I thought, oh, the Secretary of State, again, the Secretary of State. um, uh, The Secretary of State is mentioned 145 times, I think, 145 times. And uh, the President himself is mentioned, I think, 180 times. So this bill is greatly empowering the Secretary of State, almost on par with the President of the United States. Uh, When we look at our current Secretary of State-
2: Wait, isn't the Secretary of State supposed to be the diplomat for the country?
3: Well, that's what's so interesting about this bill. Yes, I'm glad you brought that up because it does, by inserting the Secretary of State 140, 145 times, it frames it as though this bill is not frightening, as this bill is being ushered in by the department that represents our diplomatic efforts. But when you look more closely, when you scrutinize the Department of State, you see it, it could also be called the Department of Sanctions, the Department of War. Every time I hear about new sanctions, it's from the Department of State. People may not realize sanctions are another form of warfare, right? Because they cut off basic goods to countries, even though they are framed as though they are uh, very narrow or humanitarian goods are exempt. In reality, banks don't want to loan to countries that are under sanctions. They don't want to loan to countries for COVID vac- vaccines or medical supplies. None of that. So our Department of State has become the Department of Sanctions, aka the Department of War, the second Department
2: of War. How, how did we get here, Marcy? I mean, really, this is this is really insane that we are we've built up a military budget this high. We are out of the Iraq and Afghanistan war. We should have learned amazing lessons over the last 20 years, I and mean, we were horrible at war. We we fail. We fail over and over at all the promises we make about making the world safer, about bringing democracy. We can't even bring democracy to our own country, and so we fail. And now here we have a bill that not only doesn't admit the failure but that is about to plunge us into, this is this is a plunge. This is not just um, light. This is really a plunge. This is a deeper plunge uh, into an abyss that we've been plunging into since 9-11. And we've got to turn around and learn the lessons. And this is not a lesson learned. This is the opposite.
3: Yeah, we need a soft landing. I mean, every empire collapses ultimately, right? Throughout history. And I, I wrote in this article, this bill reads like the last gasp of a dying empire. Mm-hmm. They are panicked, panic stricken over this thought that the United States will not rule the world. Uh, of course, we want a soft landing. We don't want a violent end to this empire. And I hope people do wake up. We need pe- people to really be on guard, to be engaged, to be in the offices of their Congress members, their senators. Uh, Unfortunately, you know, we have big money on the one hand, you have a a military industrial complex, the five five biggest military contractors, help me out here, General Dynamics, Boeing, Northrop Grumman, Lockheed Martin. There's one more. Uh, Anyway, they have plowed a ton of money to buy members of Congress, to buy senators,
2: our money that they get paid right. for by, by their taxes. It's like it's a it's a whoa revolving door of you just take our money away from us and buy more members of Congress Good for and, oh, and how up. much money, how much money do those CEOs make, Marcy? Oh six digits plus. <laughs> right. Oh, scary, scary. Scary. I, So
3: while while we're on that subject, before I forget, because I want to urge people to ask their member of Congress and Senator to sign the Code Pink pledge. You can find it on codepink.org and Code Pink Congress uh, that asks them to sign a pledge saying they will not accept any money from the five top military contractors, some of whom I just mentioned. And that's very, very important that we do that. I think, how did we get here? You know, it's been a trajectory. Eisenhower certainly warned us about this. Uh, and we see that this is this is like pushing, in many ways, pushing the the rock up the hill, the myth of Sisyphus. But uh, ultimately, not, injustice doesn't last forever, you know, and that's what we have to remind ourselves. Uh, we abolished slavery in the United States, institutionalized slavery. We, women won the right to vote. Uh, we will change. We have to change, and we really have no other choice but. To push for radical change.
2: Okay, so I just want to remind everyone that those things happen by efforts of millions of people over long periods of time that never lost hope. So they didn't just happen. And I think, you know, what Marcy's calling us to do is to really engage deeply that this is very serious. And it does, it is, there is a future, <laughs> but we need to work for it. And so please go to codepink.org. We have lots of things for you to engage in. You know, Senator Markey ran for Congress on a platform of peace, and he he knocked out Joe Kennedy on that platform with a lot of young people. So we have we have a direct campaign right now that you can do codepink.org markey china telling him to stand up for what he ran on and lead um, you know, his members of the Senate against this bill, or at least lead on pulling in the resolutions um, that um, Marcy talked about earlier. Marcy, I wanna thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for all you do and for your passion and for your capacity to take us deep into these issues. Well, thank you,
3: Jody, and Code Pink. There is no other organization that I know that that is as committed to peace and justice, not only at home, but abroad with all sorts of partnerships internationally. And please do join Code Pink, join Jodi, me, and all the others who are in the trenches and mobilizing and organizing for peace. It's going to take all of us to achieve this. Thank you.
2: You can follow Marcy and her passionate tweeting at Marcy Winograd. And you can join, as she said, her Code Pink Congress, by going to codepink.org slash congress. So as Marcy, Marcy said, this is the last gasp of the dying empire and we must expose it for the insanity that it is. That other weapons manufacturer she didn't mention is General Dynamics and co-founder of Code Pink, Medea Benjamin, disrupted their shareholder meeting just a few weeks ago. She asked the CEO, Fidno Gavak, how she feels about personally making $20 million a year through a business model that thrives on conflict, death and destruction. She mentioned a 200 pound general dynamics bomb that hit a Yemeni marketplace, killing 97 civilians, including 25 children, and asked what is the moral justification for flooding the Middle East with more weapons when the region is in desperate need to end conflicts, especially the ones General Dynamics profits from. Medea brought up the unethical revolving door between the company and the government and pointed to General James Mattis. As a perfect example, Mattis who was at the meeting was on the board before becoming Trump's secretary of defense and at the May 5th shareholder meeting, he was voted back on the board. Medea also brought up the company's involvement in Trump's detention of children at the US-Mexico border, accusing the company of profiting from children locked in cages. The CEO said that was not true and suggested a meeting between her and Medea to clarify the company's positions but Medea has been asking for the meeting and so far it's crickets. General Dynamic is one of the world's largest arms manufacturers with a long lasting contract with Saudi Arabia, estimated at $1.3 billion worth of weapons to the country waging a war on Yemen that has already killed an estimated hundreds of thousands of innocent civilians. The company's arms sales to despotic regions in the Middle East only contribute to the ongoing conflict and the humanitarian crisis in the region, which creates strong resentments towards the US and contributes to the rise of violent extremism. We must end the ever-expanding military budget that makes the rich richer as they make a killing on killing. Using China as a reason for more weapons is a lie. It is up to all of us to stand up and speak out. Those funds belong to the people. And it is time the funds are spent on the needs of the people. The gap between the rich and the poor increased even more last year. Join us at Code Pink. We give you ways to engage each week and keep you educated on what really is happening around war and we wish we could report that something is actually happening to cultivate peace in Washington. But that is happening in your communities and the movement is growing. Join us to plant seeds of peace locally at codepink.org slash peace economy. Thank you for listening to Code Pink Radio presented by WBAI in New York City and WPFW in Washington, DC. We thank you to Pacifica for creating the capacity for us to share the truth onward to peace.
0: Laden, you think they're foes they're in business together daddy bush knows the carlisle group since years
1: before been raking in billions and itching for more it's blood for oil we know there's a link they say code war we say code pink it's blood for oil we know there's a link they say code war we say code pink go